Studio Ervo and Bonfire Press present Essence House by Eric J. Cockrell and Chuck Pino. Read by Michael Goodrich. Chapter 12. Close to the Chest. After spending what felt like an eternity in a 20 by 20 room, Tim longed for freedom. But freedom was not going to be found in this vehicle. He could make out it was still daytime, but his vision was worse than expected, and his head was throbbing something fierce. He longed for a drink. He could tell he was in the back seat of a car, sandwiched between two silent men. The ride was rough. Tim tried to track the time, but he hadn't been aware of any time since he made a run for the shed with Rick back at Essence Corners. Rick. Uncle Rick was dead. That much he had come to understand. He couldn't tell at what point it had happened. He couldn't remember his last actual conversation with his uncle. But the men that pulled him from the cellar made it quite clear that Rick was dead. Can somebody at least tell me where we're going? We have to be in Jersey or Philly by now. I don't know. Feels like we've been on the road for a while. Again, Tim tried to start a conversation, and again, there was silence. He tried listening to the sound around him for any clues, but the pounding in his head made it hard to concentrate on much of anything. We are here, Mr. Edmund, said a man in the front seat. Tim could hear the car slowing to a crawl as it pulled down a gravel drive. We have a lot to discuss. Tim did not respond. Nothing made sense to him at the moment, so he was going to have to try holding his cards close to his chest. The car finally came to a stop. Tim was pulled from the car. He fell to the ground and looked up. The building details were hard to make out, but it was a large and imposing structure. One of the back seat brutes nudged him with a gun and shouted something at him. Tim was not good enough with German to make out what he was told, so he simply stood up with his arms in the air. Another voice called from ahead of them. I'm retiring to my study. Get him cleaned up to dine with me in my quarters. We have much to discuss. Tim was again nudged and took a step forward. The two men followed Tim and guided him across the yard. A third man approached. Heavy restraints were locked onto Tim's wrists, and the third man led him to a wall. A blast of water nailed him in the neck, and startled, he fell against the wall. The shock broke him from his buzz, and now he was heading into full-on hangover territory. He was sprayed from head to toe before the chains were yanked, and he was led through nearby double doors. As the door slammed, he was again assaulted with a barrage of German speaking that he could not understand. Does anyone here speak English? Tim asked, which only made the shouting louder. His brain pulsed in his skull from all of the loud noises. Tim felt a shove and his chest was flung against a stone wall. His arms were pulled over his head and the restraints were removed. His shirt and pants were torn from him. He was then turned around and suffered a punch to the gut. As he fell forward, he felt a shirt thrown over his head and pulled around his torso. He slid his arms through the armholes and fell back against the wall. A cloth was slammed into his chest, which he surmised were pants and took them and slid his legs through with no fuss. His restraints were reapplied, and he stood up straight, immediately in hopes of deterring any further manhandling. 
A gentle shove was given, and he marched down the hallway. His head was still thumping from within as he made his way down the hall. His eyes were having a better time adjusting indoors, but they were far from normal. He couldn't wait to get some answers from his English-speaking captor. Also, a proper meal sounded really great to him after an eternity of wine. Oh, he considered wine again. He did hope there would be wine. Anything to dull his headache. They rounded a corner and then halted, short of a wooden door that was painted green. Finally, Tim's vision was returning enough to make out some details. One of the brutes spoke through the door, and a door lock could be heard. The door opened, and the man inside said, Please join me, Mr. Edmund. You must be starving. I am, said Tim as he entered the study. The study was a handsome room, with intricate details and ornamation in every piece of wood. There were classical 18th century romantic period paintings and stone busts adorned pedestals along a wall, and a variety of antiques from the World Wars, some that did not seem of the legal variety. Tim couldn't help but wonder, was this man also a time traveler? Tim was led to a table along a tall, empty wall. Interesting collection, Tim offered. Thank you, said his host. Most of it is recently acquired. This month has been quite fruitful. A man entered with a tray and sat a glass of wine in front of Tim. As he turned to walk to the other side of the table, Tim grabbed his arm. Is there any way I can put in my next drink order now? I could really go for a cold beer. Just give him mine and bring me a glass with the meal, said the man across the table. The servant spoke and left the room while Tim downed his wine. Tim set down his empty glass and laid back in his chair a bit, slouching. Ah, now that hit the spot. He could already feel his headache subsiding. We didn't get off to a great start, Mr. Edmund. Let's try this again. I'm Andreas Richter. I'm in charge of this peculiar case. I'd like to get through this one quickly, if you don't mind. Thanks. I have to say, all this is very unusual. I was assuming you were a police officer, responding to the gunshots at Essence Corners. And then, I've started to suspect you're working with Greta. But honestly, I don't really have any idea what's going on now, and I'd really like some answers myself. Why don't we see if we can help each other out? Maybe you can avoid being tossed in with your friend, said Andreas. My friend? My uncle? Is this a sick joke to you? Responded Tim. Not at all. We can both play the game of stupid, my friend. We'll get there eventually. Just then, the door opened behind them, and Tim could smell the food before he even turned to see it. A plate was set down in front of him, and before he could even look over the rest of the plate, he shoved the turkey drumstick into his mouth. The servant walked across the length of the table and back, and again, Tim grabbed his arm to request another drink. This is delicious, Tim spoke again, stuffed with food. I'm glad you think so. Now, tell me something useful, that we might keep up the charade, Andreas said, lifting a glass as if toasting. You know what? I don't even know what I can say. My family met with an organization from Switzerland to discuss our inheritance, and it turned out we were bamboozled and ambushed. 
I hid with my uncle who had suffered some gunshots while protecting my cousin. And the next thing of importance that happened was your men pulling me from the wine cellar. Can I ask some questions now? inquired Tim. You may, as soon as you're honest with me, replied Andreas. Tell me about these. Andreas pulled the cell phone that Tim had with him in the wine cellar and a gun from his pocket and tossed them onto the table. They aren't mine. I grabbed both shortly before all hell broke loose. I really don't know what else to tell you. We hid in the cellar and then became trapped for weeks. Hell, it felt like years. I don't even know how long it was. What is today's date? Tim snuck in a question. Andreas considered not allowing the question, but some of Tim's answers had puzzled him, and he wanted to see how it played out. It is July 17th, but you could not have been in the wine cellar for more than hours because my team was given a tour of the premises earlier in the day. Wow, five months. That explains a lot, but still, it seemed like more. Earlier that day, you say? I was at the property the whole time, Tim responded with growing confusion. Enough, Andreas slammed his fist to the table and stood. Take your last bites, Mr. Edmund. You will join your friend now, and we'll hope we can get answers from the two of you before sending you to the firing squad. Tim stood up. The firing squad? Listen, there are people out there that will be looking for me, and they have ways of finding me that extend beyond space and time. Timothy, is it? We are not afraid of your people. You are the second of them we've grabbed in the past year, and neither of you were very hard to acquire, and a third was already dead. You don't frighten me. Tim stepped forward and threw a finger in the face of his adversary. This might be the biggest mistake of your life. Andreas grabbed Tim's hand, turned Tim around, slammed his chest to the table. His arms broke his fall, sending the cell phone flying across the room. Andreas looked up and shouted, and the door swung open. Tim made a quick movement and then slumped back down once more. The two brutes from the car grabbed Tim and pulled him off of the table and out of the room. They were given orders, and they dragged Tim down the hall. Tim smirked to Andreas as he watched him slam the door, brush off his uniform, and disappear down the hall. As Tim and his captors descended the stairs, the place grew considerably darker and colder. The musk of the lower level was nearly as unpleasant as the wine cellar. Nearly. As they reached the bottom step, a shove from one of the brutes caused Tim to fall into a room to the right. He was led to a wall, and he was pretty sure one brute was shouting for him to stand there. With the pull of a chain, a light flickered on overhead. Another man stepped in and set up a camera on a wooden tripod. The camera flashed, and Tim was immediately pulled out of the room and toward a cell across the hall. You cannot keep me here, shouted a man as the guards approached his cell. I have rights, and you have no jurisdiction here. One of the men opened the cell door, while the second shouted at the man through the bars. With a shove, Tim was in the cell and turned just in time to watch the door slam. Damn it. Imprisoned again, Tim said aloud to himself as he fell against the wall of the cell. Again? spoke the man. Are you real? Tim asked. I have to know before I give you any of my time. Time? laughed the man. 
I used to think I had plenty of that. Name's Alistair Simmons. I haven't met another person in months. What is the date? It's the middle of July, and I'm Tim. Tim Edmund. Why do they think we're partners? July? Already? Jesus, I was still getting used to writing 1944 in my bank book when I was thrown down here. Tim dropped to the ground and threw his hands over his head. 1944? Are you kidding me right now? Alistair took a few steps closer with concern. Don't tell me it's 45 already. I shouldn't be here is all. As Tim spoke, the room began to tremble. Alistair cocked his head to the side and asked with a raised eyebrow, Where exactly should you be? Tim leaned forward and climbed back to his feet. I'm sorry. These people think I'm with you and... A revelation hit Tim like no other ever had. Am I being held by Nazis? Like, real-life Nazis? Where the hell am I? Alistair Simmons chuckled. Mr. Edmund, you are in fact in the custody of the Nazi party, though semi-unofficially, which I'm honestly not sure if that's for better or for worse. We are in Switzerland, and the Swiss would never admit to any alliances with Der Fuhrer. This is too much, Tim responded, with a clear look of confusion in his eyes. How did I even get here? Why was I suspended for so long in that void? Some loose stone debris flaked off from above the pair and floated to the ground, followed by a stronger tremor than before. Are those bombs? I don't recall the war coming to Switzerland much, but I'm no World War II scholar. I couldn't say. I've been down here long enough that... I'm completely out of touch with the efforts. Mind if I ask again where you're supposed to be, Timothy? Alistair returned to his question. Oh, I'm not sure how much I should really say, to be honest. I'm not sure how all this works. Tristan always said that I was too concerned about such things. But Tristan never found himself in the middle of a world war. Tim's head began to buzz, and feeling dizzy, he made his way to a crate on the other side of the cell and slumped onto it. Are you feeling all right? Alistair asked, again with concern. New York, Tim said. I belong in New York. I think it's safe to tell you that. The ground shifted suddenly, and a quiet snarl could be heard from every corner of the basement. Wastes, Alistair spoke under his breath. Tim shot to his feet again. What did you just say? I'm not sure that we're safe here, Tim. Something is going on that is causing a phenomenon that I'm not sure how to even begin to explain to you. Alistair fumbled for an explanation. Wastes. You said wastes. I've encountered wastes before. Hell, my uncle turned himself into a goddamn waste. How do you know about wastes? The crate behind Tim ascended into the air behind him and flew across the room, past Alistair's head, slamming into the wall. Alistair stood in shock. It's you. You've brought the waste to us. Just then, a man descended the stairs. It wasn't anybody Tim had met previously, but he could see the disdain and maybe fear on Alistair's face. So, you are involved with Mr. Simmons. How is it that you appear to control these wastes? The man asked him. Who the hell are you? Tim snapped in return. You don't hold the cards right now, Mr. Edmund. He stepped closer to the bars. 
Well, you guys only hold the cards for about another year, so don't get too cocky. Tim was proud of that one, but he didn't have time to enjoy the dig as the ground again began to shake. The room dimmed and whispers collected in the corners. I'm no Nazi, Timothy. You have no idea who you're dealing with. Now tell me how it is you are doing this. Don't tell him anything, Tim. He can't do anything to you without his father's approval. And Hans Sorensen is too smart to harm either of us. It appears this power you harness makes the transaction he's been working toward much more valuable to the Axis, said Alistair. The man pulled a pistol from his waist, aimed at Alistair, and shot him in the thigh. The ground shook violently, and the remaining crates in the room exploded throwing debris around the room as Alistair shouted in pain and fell to the ground. Tim was starting to get it. The wastes. He recollected the conversation in Barnabas's office. Wastes are spirits or shades that are created when timelines are changed. The bigger the change, the more powerful the waste, Barnabas had told him. Just by being there, time was being altered. And with every bit of information he gave to the men in the room, the time waste was growing. Tim had some thoughts, but he would hold this close to his chest for the time being. He dropped to the ground to care for Alistair. Tearing a sleeve from his shirt, he wrapped it around Alistair's leg and applied pressure. Alistair, too, was applying pressure. The tremble in the room had not subsided since the gunshot, and the tension in the air was palpable. Tim turned to the man. Are you just going to let him bleed out? How would Daddy feel about that? Shut up! Simmons means nothing to Father anymore. Let him die, replied the man. Tim turned again, attending to the wound with his back to the man. Well, I won't let that happen. Stand up, shouted the man, or I swear to God I will shoot you both dead. Tim looked into Alistair's eyes. He was doing remarkably well for having to nurse his own gunshot wound. He tore the right sleeve from his shirt and tied it around the wound as well. He then pulled Alistair's right hand from the wound, withdrew something from his shirt, and placed it into Alistair's hand. The two locked eyes, and Alistair nodded. Tim slowly stood up again and turned around. Here's how this is going to work. You are going to unlock this door and lead us to the exit of this building or you will be shot, and I will bring this building down on top of our corpses. Tim stepped aside, revealing Alistair, aiming the pistol from Andreas's table at the man. You're kidding me. This is your plan? replied the man, training his gun on Tim. My name is Timothy Edmund. I traveled here from New York in the year 2020. The room began shaking violently, and the shadows grew larger. The whispering corners snarled. You can't frighten me, the man turned the gun back to Alistair. I'll shoot him dead where he stands, and he will return fire, killing you. And you will miss the death of Hitler, the atom bomb dropping on Hiroshima, and... An explosion interrupted Tim. The men all fell to their feet. The man was blown through a doorway, and the bars of the cell were bent outward downward in a series of arcs. The room grew dark, and in a horrific, 
audible display, stone burst across the room, revealing the night sky in a rift that ran along the foundation and up the wall. Alistair lay on his back, with the gun out, as the man began back into the room looking for his gun. Without hesitation, Alistair aimed the gun at the man's head and pulled the trigger. Nothing happened. The devil? asked Alistair. The man spotted his gun on the ground, but before he could make a move for it, he was struck with a piece of wood across the back of the head. Tim stood behind the man. He dropped the wood and fell back against a stone wall. Leaning down to pick up the gun lying on the ground, he could hear some commotion upstairs. You gave me an empty gun, asked Alistair, in what was more of a statement than a question. I never had a chance to check the chamber. Anyways, we don't have time for this. That gap in the wall is our ticket out of here. Tim picked up Sorensen's gun. So it seems, Tim from the future. Let's be on our way, Alistair said as he slid the gun in his hand into the pocket of his pants and climbed over the jail bars. Don't have time, he chuckled to himself. Indeed. Theme music by Carol Cockrell.